Monster Game Night is a dark comedy actual play podcast that contains personal and political horror. This show is not appropriate for children, and adults can find content warnings in our episode descriptions. Welcome to our Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle, Bluegrass by Night, where our coterie goes on a bewildering road trip to destroy the wars protecting the fictional city of Jamestown. This is Ben playing Tommaso, the satiated Hikeda. I'm Russell, and I play Gordon, the thumbless Lasombra. This is Nick playing Jason, the enlightened Banhu Hakim. And this is Josh playing Clear Visions, the Yossified Toreador. Hey, I'm Mike, your sanguine storyteller. Why doesn't our quarterly recap what happened last time on Monster Game Night? How about no? <laughs> How about no? <laughs> Clear Visions pulled a stake out of an elder kindred and tried to make him his friend. Jason deciphered the passphrase to make the pesky gargoyle stand down. And thanks to a fire frenzy, Tommaso ended up eating Clear Vision's new friend. That little diablery. Tastes so good. Blood is good, isn't it? After receiving a dossier from Annabelle about Lucas Thorne, Gordon decided to go into Crownvale and see if he can find some more information about him. First of all, rude. We did this as a unit. Second of all, later, nerd. I'll be honest, I'm not sad to see you go right now. But you love to see him walk away, right? To set the scene, tonight's session opens a few moments after the Coterie has finished destroying the vessel, anchoring the ward in Oxford. They've returned to the Clear Visions tour bus, a well-appointed luxury vehicle with blackout dark curtains, heavily tinted windows. With dawn on their heels, they've decided to head to Newport, seeking the next anchor. They've got about two hours until dawn and about six hours to go on the road. Aboard the bus, we have our usual Coterie members, as well as Timmy, Jerry, Suzanne, and Rosetta. Rosetta is driving. As has been established several times, her license is expired. What do you wish to do? Update that bitch. Let's go, let's go to the DMV. <laughs> got a night court nearby. We'll stop by there. So anyway, I'm going to go to my room. You guys can suck it and then i'm gonna go to my premium suite in the back of this bus and go to sleep for the night what does claire vision's bedroom look like opulent i don't like this one word description <laughs> <laughs> talk damn it no it's really big it's all white and gold and everything's embroidered yeah that's actually exactly right like there's like probably a closet that just has like six copies of the same suit and then right next to it, there's like six white robes that have like a gold monogram CV on there. And he changes into one of those and then jumps into a large white bed that... He gets upset because everyone calls him white, but even though he thinks they're all six different kinds of, all, of white. <laughs> it's called an opal, and we will talk about it later. Um, that one over there is ivory. Yeah, so like it's really fancy. That one's like, parchment. Really like clean and nice. And that one is cream. One is pearl. But as soon as he jumps into the bed, Teresa also sleeps in the bed. Oh, totally. Under She's, the covers. She starts off with her wings stretched out around oh, yeah. him, like in a, a big sandhill crane hug. Okay. Yeah. Super neat, with the exception of like probably a hundred feathers just like <laughs> lining the floor. <laughs> then the last one laying there is Clamshell. Jason Tommaso? I'm hungry. I'm going to go have a drink. From whom? Or from what? From what? Yeah. I'm just going to go to my room and have a blood bag. I don't think you have a room on this or, bus. <laughs> you got a little bed. By the oh, corner shit. of the bus. I think you have a little chair you can settle down into. <laughs> a spot on the sofa. <laughs> yep. Kick my feet back. All right. I'm uh, sure there's like little tiny bunks or something for everybody else. That's, yeah. we Because we have like that. a sunproof little box that we live in. Yeah. 
We we established that. We yeah. we each have little bunks. They're basically under the couch. It's like pull out bed. <laughs> I'm gonna avoid getting close to Suzanne right now. And I'm going to sit as close as I possibly can to Rosetta and I'm gonna try to have a conversation with her now. Tommaso walks through the somewhat soft, creamy, leather colored interior of the bus, and he approaches towards the fiberglass almost office that houses the driver of the bus. Up until Jamestown, this was, of course, where Terrence Thatcher rode, but now Rosetta has stepped up to be the Coterie's bus driver. Seated in a nice cream-colored leather chair, competently driving the bus, you can tell she knows what she's doing. She's very capable of driving a bus. I imagine Tommaso walks up, leans against the post next to her, and... All right, I'm not trying to distract you or anything, but we have a problem. Did you happen to notice anything different about me when I got on board? No. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you. So, things didn't exactly go right down there. Spyman decided to have a little fun with fire again, and um, I ended up trying to eat another kindred. Tommaso sees Rosetta shudder a little bit involuntarily. Even I know. Are you... Did you lose your... Did no, I didn't. I made it through. But I also didn't gain anything from it, unfortunately, either. And that's why I'm telling you first, because I know I can trust you with this. Suzanne's going to pick up on it, I'm sure of it. But we'll have to figure out how to deal with the rest of the family later. I need Tommaso to give me a roll of composure plus resolve. Zero hunger dice. It actually feels nice, by the way. That is three successes. A pair of headlights appears out front of the bus... Tommaso, leaning against the post, looking out the windshield as he speaks with Rosetta, sees the headlights approaching, and the glare in his eyes, it grows brighter and brighter. At first, he thinks nothing of it. But then it blooms into a massive starburst, completely overwhelming his vision. His eyes totally white out for a moment. Oh, mm. From the brightest point where the headlights were, he sees a single streak, warm, soft red light, begin to grow outward, spiraling and twisting, almost forming a flower, pulsing, a powerful, powerful hallucination. With three successes, he shakes his head, recovers himself, and comes back to the moment. Tommy, Tom, Tom, Tommy, 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 hello. What? Hey, there you are. What happened, man? Uh, uh... I I don't know. That was... I've never been through something like that before. That was... Ugh. You saw something, didn't you? Uh, yeah. And uh, fortunately, whatever it is, I snapped out of it real quick. Oh, oh boy. Don't remember the image? I um, looked kind of flowery and pulsating. It was red. Red, pulsing, flower. Fascinating. I'm glad you're excited about this. What were you up to down there anyway? What was I up to? Yeah, you're the smart one, weren't you? What, what took you so long to figure that thing out? Well, what'd you go rushing in for before I did? Fire frenzy. You know how many times I've had to mess with that already? Yeah, you need to learn to get yourself under control, man. Oh, that's <laughs> real cute. Just saying. <laughs> Keep it down out there. I'm trying to take a nap. Testing my patience. I said it's bedtime. Lights out. Where'd Gordon go? He said he had something to do. That bitch abandoned us! <laughs> You're from the other side of the door. <laughs> Doesn't he have some kind of like noise-proof thing we can turn on? I would love that! Click that button next to Terrence's seat. It's 
Red. Rosetta, you hear Rosetta's hand fumbling around for a second, and then you hear a click. And Psych, that was the windows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's the white one with the microphone on it. Click it. Rosetta rolls her eyes, presses her head back against the seat, and then clicks the red button. And Never going to get you up. <laughs> Clicks the white button. <laughs> Finally. Oh, good. Now he shut up. I take it you were eavesdropping on our conversation. I mean, yeah. Someone's got to make notes here. Well, make note of this. As I said, we have a problem. It might cause us issues in the future. I would appreciate your understanding and forward thinking in case it's an issue. No, of course. I got your back, man. Cool. I actually really do appreciate that. I'm just going to try to avoid Suzanne's notice, if at all possible. As Tommaso is trying to walk casually and fleetingly around the bus, Suzanne gives him a really big wink. All right, we'll talk about it later. Let me sleep. I want to insight check that. (laughs) (laughs) I just love this, like, love triangle of, like, Rosetta, Tommy, and Suzanne. I know what you guys like. A bunch of freaks over there. I know what you guys like. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the center of the triangle. <laughs> All the around me. <laughs> so what are you, what are you checking? I don't even know what that dice roll was about. <laughs> <laughs> He's just joking around, I hope. Me no, I got one success to inside check that wink. <laughs> that wink? I know what it was about. I'm on, just walking away. On one success. I clearly got the wrong idea about what it was about. You also <laughs> believe the sexual yeah. tension. Good for you, dude. Wings can mean a lot of things, man. Was was that meant for me? Oh wow. <laughs> Puts one hand up to wave, like, oh, was it me? <laughs> Keep in mind he still is a teenager in form. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think Kindred had that. Jason has some very complicated feelings to work through. Oh, wow. (laughs) Mommy? No. Mommy? No. Mother? Growing up, the neighbor lady always had me cleaning her pool up. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. Jason can feel the fatigue of near dawn beginning to overtake him. Is there anything else you want to do? Did we see our boy up top when we left or... Bastion? Yeah, Bastion. You did not see Bastion when you left. Okay, he cleared out. All right. Though you do recall the gargoyle had Bastion's face. That was kind of weird, wasn't it? Tell me about it. That's why I didn't want to fight it. I had enough trouble with the real article. Enough with this day. This night, excuse me. Journal over my face, passed out on the couch. The sun rises on our coterie as their tour bus bounces along the roads of the bluegrass region. They drive towards the very small city of Newport. Newport is more of a township than a city, in fact. It's got a population of not more than four to 5,000. Newport sits just outside the city of Porcanati on the banks of the Portsmouth River. I see that look you're throwing me. Is that bad? like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say Porcanati in character. I cannot. <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to. We're not it's going just there. there for... Perfect. Okay. <laughs> the day passes. Officer Hagen departs while the coterie travels to Newport. As the sun sets, Gordon completes his day sleep. His eyes open. and I need Gordon to give me a rouse check. I do not get hungrier. Gordon awakens feeling refreshed. He opens his eyes and he sees... Sweating and shaken, Officer Hagen crouched up against the wall, hands on his knees, seemingly frightened. What's wrong, Hagen? They 
they came for me. Who came for you? When I logged in, they tried to arrest me. Did you bring them back here? No. Are you sure? I'm sure. I got away. Who was it? Other police. What police? They were local state police, local police. They were just expecting me. As soon as I used my username and my password, they were waiting right there for me. How did they know you were in the town? When I logged in, they knew I was there. When I started when I started looking, they just came up behind me and they tried to arrest me. They said something about the Bella Protocol. Do you know what this Bella Protocol is? No. Are you lying to me, Hagen? They never told us anything. We were just we were just along for the ride. Please. I didn't do I didn't know that this was going to happen. Hagen, I'm only going to ask you this once. What do you know? About about you? About everything. They this this guy, Lucas Thorne. I think he's a, I think he's some kind of special forces, special agent. He came in and he told us to set up a, a stop for the Clear Visions bus and that I was supposed to disable it so you couldn't get it away. How? I was, I was supposed to put a round through the engine block and then slash some tires so you couldn't get away. And I think he was going to come in with like napalm or drones or something and like burn the forest around you. But he didn't, he said something about first light. He said you were something called a blank body, but he wouldn't say what that meant other than that we couldn't use night vision because you wouldn't show up. And they they took some of the, they took us, they had this this person they called the D-Prog and they had us sit in with him for a long time. And I don't remember any of that, but they said that it would help us make it through the night when we stopped you. So the, the D-Prog, you don't remember anything? No, no, they didn't. They kept us blindfolded in, in the dark. We weren't... Did you feel anything? Did they inject you or give you anything? They, I felt some shots, yeah, and he raises his sleeve and you see that he's got a, a couple of injection sites on his arm. What else do you remember about this D-Prog? They, they kept us... It's. I've never done that before. They never took us like that before any operation. How many other operations have you done? Just just this one that was like that but they've never this was just a roadblock we were just stopping a tour bus of someone who was running drugs so were the snipers also theirs i I didn't know about any snipers i was supposed to stop the car what about the first roadblock was that also lucas thorne i i didn't i don't know about another roadblock fine hagen i want you to go get the car and bring it around front Yes, sir, Hagen. As soon as he walks out, I'm going to stealthily follow him and go to a window where I can see if anyone follows him with the car. Give me a roll of wits plus awareness. Do you just want to take half? I only have five, so that would not be... I thought you you were going to say five after half. I was like, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Three successes. So as Gordon walks up the stairs towards a convenient overlook. He takes a look at the dossier in his hand, the papers in it, and he sees there's pictures of all the faces. Uh, the faces of his coterie mates are in it. Gordon sees a distorted and twisted electronic face that he thinks could be his own. Contemplates the depths to which he's being watched right now. Looks out the window. He's very confident. Nobody followed Officer Hagen back to his haven tonight. He's going to go down and get in the car and Tell Hagen to start driving to uh, Crown Vale. With a characteristic roar from the muscle car, Officer Hagen pulls off, drives through the night. It's a very short drive, only about 30 minutes from Oxford to Crown Vale. And soon Gordon can see the city of Crown Vale stretching out before him. He sees the skyline. It's slow. It slumps to the ground. Crown Vale is a small city. It doesn't have skyscrapers or anything even resembling that. But what it is, is of course the capital of the Bluegrass region. So even though it's small in population, 
still wields a lot of power and influence. And Gordon even reflects to himself that it's the constant site of kindred infighting. Now, Hagen, I want you to go to a local bar. I want you to go find uh, a young lady there. I want you to bring her back to me. How do I know? How do I know what what bar or who? Or any bar. What, any. And and you you pick someone that you think will satisfy me. Officer Hagen's eyebrows arch upward at the realization of what he's being asked to do, and uh, you can see a small bit of sweat trickling down his temples. While while he goes and does that, I start walking to McGonnell's office. I need someone to roll three dice for me. All right, I got you. Two successes. Two successes. A few hours later, Officer Hagen returns with an unconscious woman draped over his shoulders. Hagen, I never told you to knock her unconscious. What the hell's wrong with you? You said to bring her back. Yeah. Well... You were supposed to seduce her. Are you physically incapable of seducing a woman? Hagen leans in. Do I look like someone that women can... Se- that Do I look like <laughs> someone that can seduce women? Notice how much trouble Mike had saying that. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> Whatever, Hagen. Put her over there. And he points to the corner of the room they're in. Officer Hagen takes the young woman. Uh, we see now a thin trickle of blood running over her temple. Did you bash her head in? What the hell is wrong with you, Hagen? Put her down and get the fuck out of here. They only taught me one way to do these things. Wait, the cops taught you how to bash a woman's head in? That makes way more <laughs> sense than I thought. <laughs> Hey, 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 we don't want to be too true to life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we're crossing into some territory where we don't want to be. Gordon goes over to the young lady and uh, begins to feed on her. Okay, so Gordon is standing in a luxuriously appointed room. We He has been here before. This is the antechamber to the monastery that Robert McGonnell chooses as his haven. It is manned by a veritable army of priests and nuns running about conducting business for the La Sombra. I figure they've probably seen this before. Oh, absolutely. And they turn their eyes. They don't even have to turn their eyes. They know the fate that awaits them if they slip up a little bit. Yep. As they're scurrying back and forth, carrying messages from and to Chicago, Gordon finishes sating his hunger. How much hunger are you slaking? Two. Two. Maximum safe drink. This woman will awaken in the morning with a splitting headache, made worse by the fact that she got bashed over the head and an awful story to tell her friends. As Gordon lifts his head, a deacon wearing a black shirt, but no... A deacon wearing a black shirt, but no collar, rushes over, holding a white towel out to Mr. Fletcher, offers it forward, hands clasped, the towel drapes over. He takes it, taps the blood and cleans off his face and says, is uh, he ready for me? He's ready, sir. Perfect. And he goes towards McDonald's office. Gordon makes his way up two flights of narrow wooden stairs, finds himself standing in a very softly appointed leather waiting room, a pair of oaken double doors waiting in front of him, pushes them open. To his right, he sees the familiar desk, the familiar heavy oaken desk of Melissa, who he's met before. This room itself is at the very top of the monastery. The night is... Bright as it is, full moon hanging overhead, lights up the skylights that are done in stained glass. We see scenes of the Passion of the Christ hanging overhead. We can see that around the walls, we see those same stations of the cross repeated. And Robert McGonnell, seated at the very center, a bank of 
old-fashioned classical rotary telephones all around him, pads of pencil and paper piled high, fountain pens stretched out, wearing round glasses, a brown vest. I turn to Melissa and say, Melissa, I left a young lady downstairs. Could you make sure she gets home okay and safe? I'll see you too, sir. Thank you. Robert, how are you doing this evening? Agent Fletcher. What do you know about the Bella Protocol? I need Gordon to give me a roll of wits plus subterfuge. That's four successes. Gordon notices Robert McGonnell's eyebrows lift slightly, very little, revealing that he knows the implications of what Gordon is asking. The Bella Protocol? Agent Fletcher, there are, there are so many protocols and Bella means nothing to me. Please, you... it's been so long. Have a seat. Have a drink. Melissa, he snaps his finger overhead. Okay. Tell me, what do you know about a Lucas Thorne? You have me to disadvantage. This is twice now. I know nothing that you're asking about. How is how is Jamestown? You've been there for so long and I've had almost no word from you. Oh, from Jamestown Paulson. was just a bundle of fun. Indeed. Yeah, let's start off with the fact that we got ambushed right outside of Jamestown from the very start. That is simply tragic. You d Tell me something, Robert. How is it that they knew exactly where we were going to be at the exact time in the exact vehicle we were going to be in? I was opposed to the choice to use a purple tour bus from the start. <laughs> yes, that is a rather ridiculous. But how did they know that we were going to be traveling in that? How did they know exactly where we were going to be, Robert? You were the one that gave us that route. I'm at a loss. I think they... We have enemies. Our enemies are all around us. The Lasombra are always targets. Robert, don't bullshit me. How did they know? You, former spy, the man who taught me what I know, you knew better. You did not think this was going to come back on you? When I go and tell the Lasombra what you've done, do you think they're going to react kindly to that? Gordon watches as Robert McGonnell's hands tighten, and he sees that as pale as they are, they clench tight, and now he can see the bones standing out like talons. It was a show of strength to convince those peasants that run first light to keep their fucking noses out of our operation here. You should have destroyed all of them. And yet somehow they knew exactly where we were going to be, when we were going to be, and they set up roadblocks to prevent us from achieving our task. Because you were supposed to kill them, and you didn't. You know, if you wanted us to kill them, you should have told me that. You know I have no problem killing my mistake wasn't in giving you enough instruction. My mistake was in assuming that you were independent enough as a field agent with hundreds at this point of years of experience. They never showed their face. They used intermediaries. If you want to play this kind of game, don't use me as a pawn. Use me while I was trained to do. I see you've reached the other side of the board and will be escalated to a more appropriate power. Now, what is this? other than coming here to scold me for my operational security. How can I help you? Well, I figured you'd like to know that while we did have First Light intervene twice in our affairs, we have also taken off the board a werewolf pack. See, Robert McGonnell raises two fingers and he gives you a little golf clap right now. They are very inconvenient to have around. Yes, they are. We are also in the process of removing the wards around Jamestown. Now, they were put up to contain 
uh, Spectre. Will Jamestown become owned by... Is unowned at the moment. Whoever wants to move in can. Those newcomers in the Camarilla seem to feel entitled to that property. And you and I know... Whoever we send in, they're going to have another werewolf pack to deal with. There is a werewolf operation in Jamestown. Then maybe it's wise to let our friends in the Camarilla solve that problem while we... I believe so. Melissa strolls over and she sets down two crystal chalices of a deep red blood in front of you. McGonnell takes it, holds it out, and he says, Agent Fletcher, I know you don't like me, but I am the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. And he drinks deeply. Gordon just swills the blood around in the glass. Let's talk about First Light for a moment. You are aware that they have a chemical agent to resist our charms? A prototype, an early phase, a test. I never imagined that the mortals would come so far as to actually deploy it, and for a city that is so small for a prize that is so meek that they would reveal their trump card. I would agree. It is strange. It makes me really wonder what you know about Lucas Thorne and how he has this much influence to deploy such a valuable asset and deploy it on some fairly invaluable fodder. Robert McGonnell gives Gordon a very long look. Very well. I'll reveal what I know of Lucas Thorne. He was a Navy SEAL that went missing some time ago. Now, rumors circulated that he had been captured or that he defected, but the truth was that he joined the 14th century. The Society of Leopold selected 14 Navy SEALs and built an elite vampire hunting force out of them. Now, they've been nothing more than an inconvenience for some time. I certainly never thought, with the events in Chicago, they've been very, very busy lately. Our friends in Chicago have certainly been, and our friends in London, too, have been up to their knees in Navy SEALs from the, from the 14th century just showing up everywhere. I can't believe they wasted one of them on this little game that we're playing. Okay. Does the term Operation Gladius mean anything to you? Other than a Gladius being a Roman short sword? Perhaps the perhaps the Society of Leopold intends to begin wielding swords against kindred. Come now, Robert. You know better than that. A new weapon, then. A devastating one. The Gladius made the Roman Empire strong, perhaps. They think they have some other trump card. Robert, do you have the means to hide an incendiary device in a human? Yes. I believe we have an opportunity here to rid ourselves of this... 14th century night, so to speak, or at least attempt to. You see McGonnell's face look very shrewd. His eyebrows slant forward. What are you proposing, Mr. Fletcher? Well, you see, I happen to have a state trooper that is one of our friends. I propose we send a present to Mr. Thorne and that he's our delivery man. Will this operation have any connection to the Friends of the Night. Why would it? Do they know that this asset is currently in your possession? How did you come to acquire it? Uh, well, he was one of the... He was one of the blades of grass that they decided to put in our way that we mowed down in Jamestown. They are aware that uh, I have claimed him, but they don't know to the extent of which he's been claimed. Which is why I ask if you have a way to slip an incendiary device 
without them being able to detect it. It will be done. What is your plan? Oh, I'm just going to simply ask him to go back into a state police office, office, find some meaningless information for me, something that will grab Lucas Thorne's attention. And when he's captured, ensure that he only speaks to Lucas Thorne to give him the information that he has gleaned. You see, they, this is one of the blades of grass that they attempted to deprogram and use their agent to hinder our efforts. Chicago will be impressed with your foresight. I will see to it that your weapon is prepared as you propose. Perfect. I will leave him in the lobby of here. And I think it's probably best that he is not aware that there's any kind of present for Lucas Thorne. I will see to it. Your, of course, your old bedroom has been prepared. Melissa will see to it that all of your needs are met too. Is there any other way that I can be of service to my most prodigious child? No, no, that will be, that'll be all. So cutting back to Newport, the Coterie awakens moments after the sun goes down. Rosetta has parked the bus in a large parking garage next to many other tour buses, opened the door to let the sounds of the evening in. You can hear voices raised in laughter and enjoying an evening out and about, and you can even hear the distant river flowing. What do you wish to do? I would like to wake up. I need, sorry, this is my favorite line. <laughs> I forgot about it. How do I vampire the masquerade? I need each of our Coterie members to give me a rouse check. How do I do that when I have no hunger die? Uh, you still roll one. All right. It's just if you get hungry or not. Oh. And it's gone. Suck it, bitch. <laughs> Tommaso awakens feeling much less refreshed than he usually does. Tommaso feels haunted almost, as though the fitful dreams that he usually has as a kindred have been overwhelmed by the same vision that he had last night. Clear Visions gets hungry. Are we in poor Gennady? I fucking hate this place. Huh? What? I'm up. Sir, we're in Newport. We're in Newport. Oh, oh, praise be. I, as long as we don't cross that river over there, we'll be fine. You know, I had a show there once. Where's Tommy at? What's this problem with poor Gennady? I've been there a ton of times. Yeah, you look terrible. You hung over. Shut up. I've been there. Explain what this issue is. Oh, yeah. I uh, I was supposed to be on, like, this talk show, and then, like, I got into an argument with one of the radio announcers, and I, I just never went back. It really soiled me on that place. Yeah, that sounds like your fault. Anyway. It's a real shithole over there. Anyway, do we have any idea where we're headed here? Yeah, it's a good question. We're going to see what element was it again? Jason? Silver. Silver. Yeah, so silver. Uh, there's obvious things it's associated with, like the moon. Less obvious things. We got motherhood, science, maybe contemplation. This isn't making any sense. Do we have like a a museum of childbirth? Let's go there. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a lot of those things. Uh, sure, that's a logical step. For re Rosetta, yes. What's silver here? Uh, snap, snap, chop, um, chop. Hey, every um costs you five hundred dollars. <laughs> Sir, the salary that I'm not paying her. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> wow. Sir, I... 500 intern points. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'd, I'd need to do some research to see what's silver here. Um, What did you do during the day? I watched the bus. And you didn't, like, look stuff up on your phone? 
No. What are we paying you for? You're not paying me. Exactly. I mean, the bus looks nice. And? (laughs) I washed my car. Oh, that's good. Did you get the dents out? (laughs) No. Oh, I'm glad you washed it. Yeah. So let's go to this silver place. We got a a museum or the moon. Is there like an... uh, a well, big telescope? Well, I, I parked us near the river in the boardwalk because I thought maybe... Okay, the moon and water, those are connected. I like where you're going. I thought maybe you would find what you're looking for if you... Just go out and walk we around? walked along the boardwalk. It could be nice with the moon and the, the city lights in the distance. This is a romantic date walk, okay. You see Rosetta shudder a little bit. Perfect. From the back, you hear Suzanne's voice say, I'm not staying behind this time. I'm not staying with the bus. That's stupid. Yeah, it's fine. Me and Jerry can come. You can supervise. Jerry is carrying my bag. He's carrying my bag, too. What the hell got, what the hell got into you all of a sudden? He has two hands. He can carry both of our bags. Hey, perfect, perfect. He actually has three. I know. <laughs> hey, answer, answer the question. What's going on here? Yeah, Suzanne, what do you know about this place? They're taking a day trip. Talk, talk. Nothing, but I've stayed on this bus for fucking two days, and I don't want to stay on it any longer. Do it one more time? No. One more day? No. One more night? No. Oh, so you just said that you don't want to spend another day on the bus, so that means when the the sun rises, you can get out. Oh my god, you're so clever. Perfect. I'm not staying on this bus another night. Get your ass up a whole hand. Let's go. No. Gross. Perfect. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so just figure out why we're here. And, uh... Yeah, I don't really do the thinking here, so let's just, like, here. walk. Yeah. Yeah, you you guys go that way. Yeah, me and Tommy, will go this way. <laughs> Wait, why are we splitting up? Yeah, I'm not going with Suzanne. I don't trust her as far as I could throw her. That's why you want to I keep only an trust eye on. Tommy, anyway. Exactly. Can someone give me an idea of what we're going to do here? Because I am completely out of ideas. Rosetta, can just you like just like last see- time, we're looking for a ward. Oh, how convenient. Yeah, last time it sort of just jumped out at us. There was a giant mosh pit so maybe there'll be just like i don't know a bunch of people dressed up like moons or something (laughs) (sighs) all right okay i'm putting my walking shoes on why didn't you have them on already the coterie walks down the stairs of the clear visions tour bus and looks out over newport all right fuck it i'm gonna climb on top of the bus what do I see? You see a long, low boardwalk following the banks of the Portsmouth River. You see a lot of activity. It's still lively at this time of night. Uh, it's almost like a carnival atmosphere. You see street vendors, small shops open doing business. You see couples, young and old, meandering, holding hands, enjoying the views of the city across the river, as well as the view of Newport itself. There's lights reflecting off the water and, of course, the soft sound of the river flowing. You see small groups of young men and women wandering around. You see people eating carnival food confections, funnel cake, cotton candy and such. And you notice that all of this leads towards a single, very large stone patio at the very end of the boardwalk. And next to that is a very large blue and gray concrete building that appears to have a half moon displayed over top of it. You know, for these wards being so secret, they always seem to be surrounded by a crowd of people. Yeah, funny how that works out. Hey, you think one of those, like, street magicians knows? They're playing carnival games. They've got moons on them. Yeah, it's awfully late for all these people to be out on such a small town. Of course we'd arrive during some local festival. I don't like all these coincidences. So what are these people up to? Uh, everyone's just walking around enjoying some kind of carnival. So 
We should be able to just walk through just fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's how we felt last time, too. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Need to wait, make our way towards the center. That's where that, uh, there's that building there. It's got sort of a half moon on it. What kind of building? Just uh, the only distinguishable building I could see, really. It doesn't look like a church or anything kind of special like that. I hope not. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm asking. What was it again? Stone. As Jason stares at the building, he notices that what he originally took to be a half moon shape resolves itself into the curved shape of a shark bent to the side with his mouth open. So, Jason, you found this place we're going, or should I just go talk to one of these couples? Where are we going? Yeah, that building's the only lead I see so far. Perfect. So, let's just head in that direction. Yeah, lead the way. I might be getting tired. It's That moon's looking a little sharkish now. <laughs> what? Did you say shark? I don't know. Don't worry about it. All right. We got a direction. Let's go. Yeah, fine. Let's let's just go. Suzanne, why don't you lead the way since you like want to do whatever you're doing? No, 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 no. She can she can stay close to me. All right. Yeah, you guys can go to the front. That way if we get shot or whatever. Oh, thanks. That way you can just. <laughs> I walk behind Suzanne. You see Suzanne take a very large leather bag that's probably like three feet deep. She opens it for a second. You see her take something out from the inside of it and kind of place it up against her hip. She snaps it shut. You hear a silver clasp clamping, and then she passes it over to Jerry. Hold on to this for me. Can I roll to see what she took out? Yes, you can see. Give me a roll of wits plus awareness. Three successes. Whatever Suzanne took out of her bag and placed on her hip, it's now climbing up her side. He can see a little billowing out of her shirt as it climbs up towards her shoulder and underneath of her hair. He's got a good idea of what that is. Uh, I'm going to lean over to her and very quietly say, keep that thing under control. Of course. It just might come in handy sometimes. Did you bring a tarantula? What is this? Got a skull in there? Jerry, what's in the bag? What's in the bag, man? Jerry opens Suzanne's black leather bag and there's just screaming. <laughs> what the f- Shut it. Shut it right now. Can I look at that? D- d- no, not a Suzanne, good what's in there? Not a good idea. Back up. Back up, please. Get a little Nothing por- you would be interested in. Yeah, that's probably true. Lead the way, Jason. Did she bring a snack? No, it's not a snack. I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> Much as I described before, families out for a night on the town, couples enjoying the night air, and you can and you can hear the Portsmouth River in the distance. And what stands out to Jason is he notices a sign. This sign says Newport Aquarium, one mile. Next to it, a lawn sign has been placed into the ground, and it says Newport Mental Health Gala tonight. Sponsored by the Silver Chalice, meet our newest artists in residence. Hear Dr. Jill speak. Well, this is all sorts of convenient. Let's go there. Um, you sure that's a good idea? Well, yeah. Well, how dangerous is an aquarium? I mean, in my former line of work, I can tell you aquariums are very dangerous. Jason pauses to think about this for a second. <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan of, like, fantastic public speakers, so I would love that. Perfect. I thought you'd get jealous. No, I, I'm a professional. And I, as I always say... You can always learn something from the way that other people present themselves. For instance, I learned to not be a jerk when I listened to you today. So let's continue. And I'm going to lightly punch Tommy's shoulder and then like head off in the direction of that hand-painted sign. Um, (laughs) Good. You remember all that that you learned when you uh, talked that bouncer into letting us in. Yes, I gotcha. Can my shatter play into that? I'm not doing damage. 
Did you activate it? I'm tempted to. (laughs) You can't activate it in response to what he's doing. But you know what you can do? Activate it now. Here's what you can do. You can give me a dice roll of composure plus resolve. No, I'm going to let it slide. (laughs) No, I want you to give me. That was not actually optional. (laughs) (laughs) I I trust you you to be more of a performance professional and understand that that wasn't actually a choice. It's like when your boss asks you to do something. They're not saying, hey, can you do this for me? They're saying, (laughs) hey, do this. Composure resolve. Composure plus resolve. That is two successes. As Tommaso looks at the sign that mentions the silver chalice, the letters embossed into the plastic become engraved into his eyes like the flickers from looking at the sunlight. His vision flares out. He sees the letters becoming red and begin to ripple and swell outward, tracing almost a river across his vision. And Tommaso stops and cannot move. Nope. What? There he goes again. Tommy. You're seeing something again, aren't you? Claire, do you have any sunglasses on the bus? Why would I have sunglasses? Do I look like I see the sun? Listen, I don't either, but something's happening to my vision, and it seems to be caused by excess light. Probably all that bagged blood. It's finally getting to you. I haven't had a blood bag for over two days. Well, good. That's a start. Listen, I can't see. Can we figure this out? I'm going to be walking into things. Oh, yeah. Um... Whenever this happens to me, and I'll snap my fingers, and I'll have Teresa walk over and then, like, put a wing out so that you can just hang on to it and walk. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You're being led by the crane. That's my seeing eye bird. This is so embarrassing. You know, I never fail, but sometimes when I do, uh, my vision also goes black. So it it takes time. It's okay. You'll get used to It, it. it. It's not black. It's not black. I'm seeing red. Oh, are you angry? No, I'm about to be, though. It's like a bull. You're seeing red. Okay, that gives me nothing. I saw the letters on that sign. They carved out like a river in my eyes, and I can't see anything other than red. Does it say anything? That sounds like a quest objective. I guess that means we're headed in the right direction. Now, could somebody point me in that right direction, please? Teresa? Oh, my God. (laughs) Tommaso feels the feathery covered wing of Teresa slip into his palm. He's got to be very careful, though, because he's blind right now. And if he pulls these feathers out, Teresa is going to do a number on his ankles. That's true. (laughs) If you touch one feather on that bird in the wrong way, you'll taste the claw. Suzanne, Jerry, can one of you do this instead, please? No, Jerry's holding my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Not usher him over. (laughs) That's your only option. I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I look over. Cousin, I'd be happy to help you get along. You guys are How so- long has your vision been like this? And Tommaso feels the much smaller palm of Suzanne enter into his grip. Since last night, if you catch my drift. Since last night, since you, uh... Can we not... You got it in? <laughs> <laughs> Must be a bitch getting old. That you're telling me. <laughs> so, yeah, that... That is a good point, Suzanne. What was it like sucking that dude dry? What was it like, cousin? <laughs> it didn't go well. Let me just say that. You know, this doesn't usually happen. No. Maybe you're... it's just because you're so old, though. I don't know. That's what I heard. Do all of you just want me to start swinging blindly right now? We're trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be funny. Can we just walk, please? <laughs> Clear. You're in the lead. Fine. Yeah. Honestly, that's no different than normal. You guys are just following in my wake. 
you know, I'm somewhat of a mental health physician myself. In Yeah, you're mental, all right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. As you stroll along the boardwalk... I'm not strolling. Those of you who still have... Stumble. (laughs) You notice a steady flow of men in black tie tuxedos and women in elegant dresses headed in the same direction you are. Tommaso, before your vision clears, you notice a second hand crawls its way around and kind of sandwiches around yours... But eventually your vision comes too, and whatever it was scurries back away. I thought I told you to keep that thing under control. You know, these hands can't help themselves all the time. I feel deeply uncomfortable. Just keep it away from my gun, I swear. Ugh, kind of wish I couldn't see this. So I, I do have a, a question. I obviously fit in here. The rest of you are going to look so out of place. Yeah, some of us are a little underdressed. I'm looking at you, Suzanne. I'll be fine. I have so much stuff in this bag. She opens it up and you hear shrieking, but then she sticks her hand around in there and you see her pull out an opal white dress. I'll be fine. I really like that. You're just going to put that on right here? And she wanders off. Okay, now now we can leave her, right? All right, let's go. As, as tempted <laughs> as I am, no. What are we going to do with you? I mean, if you two want to go have fun, I can sit this one out. I don't care. Jason, do you have that sport coat that I bought you? Did you bring it? Yeah, this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's underneath the leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you wear it, right? Yeah, it looks fine. It's a little wrinkly, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> Don't worry about me. You just, like you said, you make your wake and I'll just Tommy, you have a tie right in. <laughs> you, you got a tie on that thing? Yeah, I've just got one sitting here in my pocket. Hold on just a second. Why is it pink in a bow tie? That's weird. Don't you remember? With wrinkles and oil stains. When we had to be at the horse park that one time. You still have that thing? Yes. I for- <laughs> completely forgot about this, actually. I'm and- impressed. Is that mustard? What? No. Why-, why you got that on there? Why would I be eating mustard? I don't know. Why is it yellow? <laughs> don't ask. Oh, that's... Uh, honestly, it, it's going to do... It, it'll be something. At least if they look at us from a distance, we look presentable. We look good. Oh, I look good. The rest of you look acceptable. And we'll, we'll figure it out. Listen, I don't want anybody to get close to me right now anyway, so it's fine. As you stroll along the boardwalk, a large blue and gray concrete building comes into view. It completely dominates the rest of the landscape, looming over the small town homes that predominantly form Newport. It forms a rough rectangle with various balconies and patios hanging off. We can see festival lights hanging down and hear the echoes of soft laughter in the distance. Along the side, we see expanses of blue pennants, each bearing the shape of aquatic wildlife. We see stingrays, we see eels, we see starfish, we see sharks. And out front of it, we can see a red carpet has been laid out with velvet red ropes along the side, well-attired guests, the same that you have been following in their black tie tuxedos, their very elegant gowns, entering under the watchful gaze of security guards, handing over tickets. We see metal detectors. What do you wish to do? I mean, obviously everyone's going to recognize Clear's visions. Well, duh. I don't think we're... St- I'm sneaking in. And his entourage. Hey, Tommy, you're the bodyguard. Lead the way. And make sure to avoid a security check. You're the bodyguard. You lead. I activate all. Nice. I activate Dawn. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's so funny because that works if you're a bruja, but you know, whatever. We'll go with it. <laughs> I confidently stroll over to the red carpet. Okay. And 
start strolling down that right down the, the front door. In just a few moments, Clear Vision steps onto the red carpet and he begins to see there's not a lot of photographers here. This is not a big enough event for there to be like full-on paparazzi army, but there are enough. He hears a little bit of confusion. Is that, is that Clear Visions? Hi! And I'll give like a big wave and then like do like just a slight pose. We see flashes from cameras lighting up clear visions and all of a sudden he's not on the he wasn't listed as coming are he and dr jill doing a joint show i'm just a special guest i hope to see you all inside he hears questions shouted at him mr visions what do you have to say about what happened in jamestown all right folks all right all right he's not taking any questions right now we're moving along good job perfect Tommaso Keep it moving. Keep it moving. strides forward, shoulders stretching almost from velvet rope to velvet rope as the lights flicker. Oh, God damn it. As the flashes go off on the various cameras, I need Tommaso to give me a roll of composure plus resolve. Curse this entire fucking... <laughs> You're doing good, man. You got this. You got this. It's, it's called a flash bulb. You're going to have to get used to it. One success. Tommaso watches. Can I help? How can I help? <laughs> I don't think you can. Tell me how you're going to help. I have full confidence in you to find a way to help. I got a lot of things I could do that would be the opposite of help. <laughs> <laughs> As the flashbulbs light off, they sear into Tommaso's vision. Suddenly, as it has twice before tonight, everything sears white, and the flashbulbs in his eyes begin to trickle with red blood. Tommaso finds himself transfixed watching the scene before him appealing to the most base instincts of kindred kind itself. Tommaso freezes and stops completely. Alright, so maybe we got time for a couple autographs. <laughs> hey guys, we're Monster Game Night. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I'm Mike, your storyteller, and you have also been listening to Russell playing Gordon, Josh playing Clear Visions, Nick playing Jason, and Ben playing Tommaso. Tune in next session. We release an episode every other Monday. Also, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit at Monster Game Night. And while you're there, give us a rating, write a review, and tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoyed it. Because as you know, word of mouth is the best way for a small independent show like ours to grow. Hope you can come to our next Monster, Monster Game, Game Night. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Yeah. One take, bitch. Rocket. Hey, you said Spotify. You did. I will Spotify. say that. Fuck off. I'm gonna need it one more time. <sighs> I'll do it again. Yeah, if you just want to do the tune in next session through like your favorite podcatcher, the rest of it was actually really good. Tune in next session. We release an episode every other Monday. Also, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Oh, Fuck. <laughs> This is for our marine biology listeners, the Apple Apple Codcast. This whole session. It's, it's, this whole session. Fucking for me. <laughs> Tune in next session. We release an episode every other Monday. Also, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. And bam, that's how we do it. Professionals. <laughs>